Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. First cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Genesis Scottish Open. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Hello, Sia. Remember like a year and a half ago, if not two years ago, when we had that joke about one and done, like Sep Straka and a million bucks if you don't get your pick in? Well, who's laughing now? It's Sep Straka, indeed. Sep Straka and a million bucks would have been very good last week. Yeah, Sep Straka's a weird guy, man. Just like doesn't play well, and then all of a sudden he shows up and wins a couple, you know, once a year. You know what's really funny? Uh, I, I wasn't sure I was going to share this. I was thinking about it right before the show. So I have like my own like little process for 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 preparing for this show, but prepare, for preparing for DFS in general. And a, a lot of what I do, Rick, is I go onto your website. I don't really do modeling anymore. I just don't. I go onto your website. I, I think of what matters. I go to your cheat sheet. I put. I usually put it on the weighted part. And I just sort and I I like to locate like the top 25, the top 35 at, at sort of each metric that I want to look at. And so what I end up doing, and this is relevant, it pertains to Sep Straka, trust me, is I will look at it. I'll just take a broad view of it and I'll boldface the names that show up across all the metrics or at least across most of the metrics. You don't have to show up across. And Sep Straka, not only did he make a lot of those lists, but he made a lot of the lists in a, in a bolded way because he showed up so much. And somehow, and I, I usually don't ignore that, but apparently subconsciously, I have so little regard for Sepp Straka that even though he showed up pretty much everywhere, and even though I went the, the extra step to boldface him, I don't think I played him across my 15. If I did, it was in a, just a trash lineup that didn't make it. But like he was certainly not anywhere near my main lineup or any other lineup that was important to me. So what am I doing? What am I, I even doing, Rick? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the fact that uh, the way he did it was was horrible in round one. And then, you know, should have probably missed the cut. And then all of a sudden he's winning this golf tournament. And despite, I mean, he was, he was running away with it until he made a boogie, a double on the, on the 72nd hole. So just another week of uh, proof of how crazy golf is and how quickly things can change at the, at the highest levels. Um, We're headed overseas. We're headed to the Scottish Open. Then we'll go to the Open Championship. So we got a couple of weeks in a row where the schedule is going to be a little bit different. The, Tuesday preview show is still at the normal time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, which is when the fan one and done selection is due. Uh, that link is in the description right now. So you can go get your pick in for this week. But the the round by round recaps are going to be probably a couple hours earlier because I think the coverage ends at like 3 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. So that means, you know, alternatively, especially on, well, really every day, but, you know, weekend golf after the cut, you're still going to be waking up if you want to, if you want to catch it immediately, like really early, like obviously there would be a two to three hour delay because it's less players, but that's not going, it's not going to feel like that this weekend. And showdown lineups will be locking earlier. Uh, your matchup wage, whatever, like anything else that has a deadline will be earlier because obviously they're f- what five hours ahead of East Coast time. Yeah, and get used to that because it'll be similar at the Open Championship in uh, in a week. Yeah, get comfortable. Okay, so let us uh, look towards 
this week in this golf course. So the Genesis Scottish Open, uh, Troy, if you want to share my screen, that'd be great. It's my website, rickrungood.com. It's the course key stats model. So from a tournament history perspective, Sia, this is the second year that this is a co-sanctioned event between the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. So this Scottish Open's been around for a while, but last year was the first year in which both tours came together to provide the field. So when you see that Minwoo Lee won this golf tournament uh, two years ago, that was strictly a DP World Tour event. So as you're looking back at the history, you've got to know that line of demarcation where this turns into a co-sanctioned event, which was last year for the first time. Yeah, and so Aaron Rye, for example, finishing first in 2020 and ninth in 2018. Uh, obviously not a co-sanctioned event there. That doesn't mean I don't like Aaron Rye this week, by the way, uh, But because I, I kind of do. But uh, that's something to keep in mind in terms of you know the, the quality of the field. The other thing to keep in mind is the last four years have been at this golf course, the Renaissance Club. Oh, how fancy. So we've got four years of history across both just the regular DP World Tour events and the co-sanctioned events. If you go back further than that, you not only have an event on a different tour, but you have an event at a different golf course. So you probably don't need to look too deep at tournament or course history, Sia, because it's probably not all that valuable outside of the last four years. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I, I think the last four years is fine, but then you, what we just said about the the quality of the field, particularly in the last two years, you got to keep all those things in mind. But obviously, it's not a bad thing if you if you have good course history here. I have been notably just not looking at course history quite as much. I look at it, don't get me wrong, but I don't factor it in quite as much as as maybe I did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. So for me, especially in this tournament, to your point. Uh, it's just not something I'm I'm super focused on, but it's at, it's at least relevant. It's certainly something to look at. The course key stats model at rickrungood.com, which is a regression model that looks at all the stats from those four editions of this event at this golf course and compares it to the finishing positions, really likes driving distance, really likes around the green play. Now, I will warn people, um, there are a couple of caveats here. I mean, this golf course is so dependent on the weather and more specifically Mm -hmm. on the wind. We have seen... Two years, basically half the years where the winning score was seven under par. That was last year. That was Xander Shoffley, very windy. And Aaron Rye in 2020, that was 11 under. But if there is no wind, this thing can get pretty deep under par. Burned Wiesberger got it to 22 under. Minwoo Lee got it to 18 under. I, I, I know that they adjusted the par from par 71 to a par 70 recently, but still it, it's very dependent on what, what the wind is going to offer. And because this is a, a DFS conversation uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you want to look at wind waves as well. Like we, like I haven't really looked at the weather and, and it probably would be a little futile to look at it right now. Yeah. Uh, but going into Thursday, if you're not already looking at the weather to some degree, you know, going into any tournament, but especially this one, you know, on a coast, uh, you're going to want to know that because obviously the, the AM Thursday guys or the PM Thursday guys could have an advantage over those first two days. So definitely something to look at. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be very gettable if if the wind is down at this one. Yeah, the historic, you know, greens and regulation rate is is pretty low, which is why around the green play uh, comes comes into to a, a big factor here. The other thing to consider is you can hit it into the rough. The rough's not that bad, but the bigger the miss, the worse it's going to get for you, Sia. That's when you start getting into that thick, high, fescue, nasty stuff that you would normally see at, on a link-style golf course. So I, I think that there's a path to... Um, guys spraying it a little bit, but not necessarily being on the big miss often. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I think while the driving distance is definitely going to be a factor and just off the tee in general, I do think some of the plotters, some of the maybe slightly shorter hitters can be absolutely fine here, positioning themselves really well off the fairway. A guy like Brian Harmon comes to mind there, who's actually been really hot on approach lately, not so good off the tee, good with the putter. Um, th- those are the types, I mean, Tom Kim is going to be a name that's going to be discussed, even though he's a little bit longer than I think people perceive, but I, I don't mind taking the shorter hitters in spite of driving distance, definitely being a, a slight advantage okay well listen here's what we'll do we're going to go through this uh very strong field we'll start at the top we'll work our way down to the bottom and we'll see what we can find but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Four golfers above $10,000. Scotty Scheffler leads the way at 11600 Rory McIlroy at 10-9. Xander Schauffele at 10-4. And Patrick Cantlay at 10-2. See ya. Hard to find anything wrong with these guys. <laughs> Hard to find anything wrong with these guys. Although... I mean, Scotty really is like, the, you know, the last few tournaments where we we haven't seen Scotty, I think it's the last, at least the last couple, um, you know, he's certainly separated himself. So before we're, we're the last couple of weeks where I was like, well, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. And you can make arguments for any of these guys. I don't think you can make an argument for any of these guys as it relates to being better than Scotty Scheffler. Now, Scotty Scheffler has a really high price tag. So you have to factor that into the conversation. But with all of that said, to me, it's it's Scotty Scheffler at the top here, literally and figuratively. And then it's really everybody else. As far as the everybody else is concerned, it's probably Patrick Cantlay for me. I think Xander's fine. I don't think I'm going to be paying that price for Rory. But, you know, Cantlay top 10 weighted approach. Uh, he's number three. And I'm going 24 rounds here. He's number three weighted tee to green. Uh, creates a ton of opportunities. Uh, the, the, the putter has been good. It's top 10 in the field, last 24 rounds. Um, so Scotty's like number one in pretty much all those categories, except the putting part. But uh, it's Scotty and Cantley for me. But I do think there's like a bridge. There's a big gap there between Scotty and everybody else. Maybe that's Captain Obvious. But like I've been trying to find reasons to fade Scotty the last, I don't know, five or six tournaments of his. And it hasn't worked out very well for me. I might have to just finally jump on board this time. 18 consecutive top 12 finishes for Scotty Scheffler. There is only one golfer gaining over two strokes per round from tee to green in the last 36. It's Scotty Scheffler, and he's gaining over three strokes per round. It's pretty insane how much better he has been than the rest of the field there. It's actually quite historic uh, when you start looking at it. It's 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 very Tiger-esque from tee to green. It's just a matter of whether or not he is going to roll the rock. But even as he's gone through some of these uh, crazy putting struggles, he's been able to put together some high-end finishes. So I'm, I'm certainly in on Scotty. I, I think I probably am more willing to pay the price on Rory than, than you are. Mm-hmm. I think this golf course is going to ask for long and straight off the tee. Um, Rory's got a weapon in the bag called his driver. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how good his short game is. You know, he's gained multiple strokes in the short game categories, uh, in six straight. And I, I think that, you know, I, I did look at the weather. It's, it's early. We're doing this on Monday afternoon. Um, the weather changes there frequently rain is in the forecast all week, which I think plays into Rory's strength is it'll make the golf course longer. And there seems to be, you know, wind. And if these guys are missing greens and you're having to play from greenside, that is not necessarily a problem for Rory. I think even if it's if it's easy, I think Rory has a chance. If it's hard, I think Rory has a chance. Um, I'm probably more bullish on him than than you are. Do you think he should be because I'm trying to like figure out the price, even in the betting market where he's like plus 750, you know, Scotty at plus 600. I'm I'm talking DraftKings and then it's Roy at plus 750. That number kind of like surprised me. And and this 10,900 number, it kind of surprises me a little bit, not because it's as high as it is, but because there's such a bridge between him and Xander, him and Patrick Cantlay specifically. I I don't know. I don't know that he's $700 better than Patrick Cantlay. I think the... I think the betting number is like kind of fair, but um, you know, he's historically his win rates, what around 10%, his odds imply he's going to win it like 11% of the time. You're paying a little bit of juice, all that stuff. So I think, I think his betting number is fair. I do think it is interesting. Now uh, I guess we'll get the strength of field number, but 
the field alone at the Travelers is probably going to be stronger, almost certainly going to be stronger than this event, right? Because mm-hmm. that was an elevated event. This field is being compri- comprised of a lot of guys that reside on the DP World Tour. It is not an elevated event. And Rory was $10,900 there. So he's $10,900, again, in what I think is probably a weaker field and a golf course that is probably better for him. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with this. I think it's, I think it's pretty fair. So what's the rank here for the, the top four? How do you rank them in terms of playing them in DFS? Um, the, the order that they're in, Scotty, Rory, okay. Xander, Cantlay. Um, I, might, I might swap Cantlay and Xander. I worry – the only thing I worry about with Xander is uh, his around the green play has not been as good recently. He's lost in three out of four. It's the only negative I can find in his game at all. And I like the well-rounded nature of it. But again, we're always splitting hairs here at the top. So I might swap that. I might go Scotty, Rory, Cantlay, Xander, especially because Cantlay is $200 cheaper. Do you think, because uh, this is going to lead to the 9K range, and by the way, I don't have a huge problem with that. I mean, this is the 10K range. Like All of these guys are, are going to be really competitive against each other. But if we had like Cantley and Xander, let's say we had a range where there was only two guys in the 10K range, and we had Xander and Cantley in the high 9K range and everybody else that's in the 9K range in the 9K range. Uh-huh. W- would that make sense? The only reason I ask you that question is because I think when you go from – Obviously, there's differences, but I think the gaps between, let's say, Wyndham Clark at 9,000, he's maybe a bad example, but like, you know, let's just take the 9,000 mark up to 10,400. I don't think there's a, a, a huge gap there, like in terms of player to player. I think it's like Scotty and then maybe Rory to your point. And then I really think it's everybody else all the way down to the low 9K range. Yeah, it's interesting. It's fair. I mean, the 9K range, we'll, we can talk about it. Yeah. I think this is the best 9k range i've ever seen mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make the case for that but it's matt fitzpatrick victor hovland terrell hatton ricky fowler tommy fleetwood jordan spieth shane lowry wyndham clark this is a group of eight i believe eight golfers who are all playing well and or they've got good links history history around this place i i I think this is not hyperbole to say this is the best 9K range I've ever seen. I don't, there's not a single guy here I have a question about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's hard to say that without having like the live guys in here because we're going to look at the 9K range next week at the Open Championship, and it, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get the luxury of actually being able to compare and contrast, obviously. But like you, you know, you add some of those guys in there. I mean, Brooks will be in the 10K range, but Cam Smith likely in the 9K range. Some of these guys like Wyndham Clark get pushed down to the mid eights. I'm assuming, uh, unless Wyndham Clark wins. By the way, he's 45 to one at Fanduel. If you want to grab that number, 35 to one at at DraftKings. So there's a big difference there. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I like this entire 9K range, and I think that's why I was making the point about Cantley and Xander and how you could just kind of like scramble these guys. I'm not trying to be. Um, I, I want to be deferential to Cantley and Xander, but I mean, li- listen, Hovland is here, Hatton is here, Fowler's playing really good. Like Fowler's one of the guys I like in this 9K range. Top 10 weighted tee to green, top 10 weighted approach, top 10 putting uh, last 24 rounds, third best weighted around the green in the field. Like, it, you know, I, I think we we sort of have this image of Ricky. Like, yeah, I guess he's back, but like, I don't want to put him in that echelon of of guys like like even Hovland or or Xander, but maybe he's already there. And so I I I do like Ricky Fowler. I think Hovland. Is great too. Fourth way to tee to green. The putting in the, the around the green game for him have been really good, uh, which might surprise some people. Uh, so I think both of those guys are great. I think Wyndham Clark at 9K is great. And honestly, I think Fleetwood's going to catch some steam because he rates out really well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of making your argument for you. This is littered with incredible talent. Fowler's played 16 Open Championships or Scottish Opens. He has seven top 10s, eight top 14. Finishes. He's a very, very good link style golfer, uh, which I think is important for this week. This is a very new, it's a links course, but it's new. It's like 15 years old, which is very rare for over there. Um, but still sit kind of similar principles. I, I think that's a really good sign. The other point I'll make about this range. So this is the trends tool. So this just compares every golfer's um, 100 round baseline with however many rounds you want. So this entire 9k range is playing over 
their baseline in the last 36 rounds. Every single one of them. Every single one of them is gaining to themselves, which I don't know I've if I've ever seen that before. The quote worst one, the guy who's just barely playing over himself is Terrell Hatton, who's been low-key awesome. Right. I mean, he finishes uh, T17 at the US Open, which was his first not top 15 finish in six starts. The ball striking's great. The putter's hot. I, I mean, this is this is a bounty of riches here. I'm wondering who the guys are that like don't get the ownership because obviously a lot of these guys will get ownership. And, and my guess is, in terms of like the three lowest owned guys, Shane Lowry at 9,100, um, Matt Fitzpatrick at 9,800. And Jordan Spieth at 9,300. I feel like there, and, and I, it might be flat to some degree across the board. Hoblin might be slightly lower owned too, but I, all of these guys should carry some ownership. I, I wonder what you think about Jordan Spieth because he was immediately somebody I, I was going to gravitate to right when I started my research. And research does look decent, you know, weighted T to green, weighted approach looks good. Uh, he seems like a good course fit, though. So I, I'm willing to kind of ignore some of the some of the metrics that aren't just like really that great. Uh, what are your thoughts on him at 9300? Yeah, I mean, his um, obviously his open championship stuff is is awesome. Right. I mean, we talk about this all the time when you get an opportunity for Jordan Spieth to be creative on a link style golf course that gives you options that is going to ask for a strong around the green game. Um, he thrives in those scenarios. So his open championship run is T8 runner-up, T20, T9 win. That's his last five. And then he mixed in. He played the Scottish Open once. It was last year, a T10 there. Um, I think that I'm I'm basically okay to write off his miscut at the Colonial, which was insane, by the way. He crushes that place because he backed it up with a T5 at Muirfield Village. And then he he missed the cut at the US Open, but he missed the cut on the number. Like, I don't think it was all that bad. And that was going on a month ago. So I'm I'm pretty in here on on Spieth. I, I'm wondering, I actually think the guy that gets kind of overlooked is Wyndham Clark. Which is yeah, crazy. that's fair. The only reason I didn't bring up his name is because he's he's the lowest guy, and I think people will find value in that. But Rick, go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. You might be right about that. No, I, I just think I mean I mean I could go through these guys like Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick has the best Renaissance Club history out of anybody. Um, he's played it. He's played it four times. He's averaging. Let's see. Hold on. Get rid of this year. Go over here. Make sure that we've got uh, the European Tour loaded in as well. There we go. And he's gaining nearly two strokes per round. The best of anybody who's played four times. Tommy Fleetwood's up there as well. So the three, the three guys, there's four of them who have played at least 12 rounds who are gaining a, a stroke and a half per round. Three of them are in the nine K range. It's Fleetwood. It's Fitzpatrick. It's Hatton. The other one is Thomas Dietrich. But I, I don't even know. I guess we got to like put a ranking to these guys because yeah. there's no other way to kind of make a decision. But th- this is such a good such a good set of names it is and, and and i think that makes it exciting from a dfs standpoint because we know there's not going to be a guy that's like everybody's going to be attached to so in this 9k range like sometimes they'll have like three guys that everybody's just in love with or sometimes that happens obviously in the 8k and 7k range but here i, I just don't see anybody running away with it especially knowing that ownership comes out or you know it gets sort of finalized to some degree wednesday and people they're going to see whoever ends up being popular let's say it's I honestly, is it going to be Ricky Fowler? Like, oh no, it's going to be Tommy Fleetwood and Fowler. I think they might be higher owned than some of these other guys. I'm, I'm really just guessing at this point. That's but right. I think when people see that, they're going to float off of that, or some people are going to float off of them and be like, okay, I'll, I'll try out Jordan Spieth. I, I might even try out Shane Lowry at 9,100. Yeah, Fleetwood's been great. Fowler's been great. Um, the, they'll both be pretty popular. I Okay, so here's where I would go. I would say my three, I would go. Um, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Hatton. You know, we've barely – that's interesting, by the way. Um, and I, I think that's a good three to go with, especially when you consider ownership. We've barely mentioned Hovland, which sort of leads me down a road of like yeah. maybe he's going to be one of the lower guys because he is kind of expensive. Um, and again, the, the short game has been – has been good with him. And obviously we know he's a ball striker. The, the he's fourth weighted T to green over his last 24 rounds. Um, I don't really, I don't really see an argument against Victor Hovland at this point. I, I guess again, you kind of have to split hairs here. He missed the cut here last year. Uh, yeah. 
that would be the now he is I think he's a much better player since since last year. Um the, but look at look at why he missed the cut though, Rick. He missed the cut because of of the around the green play and and the putter, which historically that makes sense. But then you look at what he's been doing in those specific departments over the last I don't know what what would that be six tournaments or so five to six tournaments. Like it looks pretty good. And if you want long and straight off the tee, like I wanted from Rory McIlroy, this like this that's where you get that here. You get that from you get that from Victor. The other thing is he's only played I think he's only played the Open twice. He was in the final group with Rory last year uh finished fourth and a 12th at royal st george's i I mean yeah if he's gonna be if he's gonna be the low owned guy there's your man we found him but yeah it is it is so interesting so so the problem is even though i've you know i'll i'll say hey it's these three guys or whatever i'm probably just gonna let the ownership dictate this for me because yeah i love them all they're all my little babies. So if somebody's going to come in at, you know, half the ownership of somebody else, I'll just go there. I will say this. If you want to play Scotty Scheffler, I mean, listen, he's 11,600. That means something. That's a really high price. If you want to include a 9K guy in that, you're really going to be going low. like, for example, if you want to include Scotty Scheffler with Victor Hovland and Hovland's kind of expensive, maybe that's a bad example, but it'll leave you with 7,175. But if you go down further, Scotty with, let's say, Jordan Spieth, I think that's a great way to start. It's going to leave you with, I believe, 7,250. So you are really if you have Scotty in your lineup and you love one of these 9K guys, I just want everybody to know you're definitely going to be scrambling. You're going to have to find a 6K guy you love just to get back up into that mid-7K range. Whew. All right, might have to take a shower and uh, <laughs> cool down after talking about these guys. All right, let's uh, continue this conversation. We'll go to the eights and below. We'll start getting into those names that are uh, primarily DP World Tour guys, which will be fun. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back. The $8,000 range is led by Minwoo Lee, Max Homa, and Justin Rose. Sung JM and Tom Kim are in the middle. And the bottom is Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Ludwig Aberg, Adam Scott, and Corey Connors. Sia, uh, where do you want to go first here? I, you know, I don't really love this range. Uh, I think there's plenty of like good players. I just, I, I have a really hard time getting myself to click the button in the couple lineups that I made. The, the two guys I ended up landing on where I was like, I'm willing to take a chance on these guys. And, and, it, and it is kind of a chance, especially with one of them. It was Sung JM and Justin Rose. Um, Sung JM, for the record, you know, he missed the cut here last year. And he hasn't been in the greatest of form, but I am seeing something from his form that that looks pretty good. I mean, the, the, the ball striking has actually improved at least a little bit relative to what we saw at Colonial and at Oak Hill. The putter's been good. And I honestly think he's just a pretty good course fit that's going to be largely ignored because he just hasn't popped. The finishing positions, he's either been cut or he's, you know, T25 or worse. And so I think he's a guy that from an ownership, from a DFS standpoint, probably going to get ignored. And if we go back a few months and we think to ourselves, like in a big tournament, Sung JM's only, what, 8,600. Uh, that seems like a steal. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Yeah, I agree that he um, he's definitely trending. Like he had that weird, he had like that weird three or four events in a row where he was horrible. Like we haven't yes. seen before. And now he looks like he's starting to come out of it. Justin Rose is the other one. So by the way, um, if I haven't shamelessly plugged this enough, this is an absolute week where you've got to have access to the European tour data. So you see Justin Rose who gains 10 strokes ball striking last week at the Belfry or two weeks ago, excuse me, um, at the British Masters. 
uh, that's on rickrungood.com. So these guys, we start going down this board where a lot of these guys are playing the majority of their events overseas. Uh, you got to have access to the data. This is so cool. I, honestly, I say it at least once every week. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm at a loss for words sometimes because your site is so good, and I get I get so lost in like I get so lost in certain pages that I know that I've spent so much time on just like those little couple like of of tabs that I'm missing out on like 80 percent of the content on your site. But like that's what I decide I want to subscribe to. So so it is what it is. But uh, there's so much data here, and obviously I love the Euro stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, here's Rosie. So he's actually won this event before. It wasn't at this golf course. He won it in, in 2014. Um, obviously his, his ball striking numbers have been great. His TD green numbers have been great. He was the other guy in that range that you were looking for, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you mentioned it, the T to green, the approach numbers and, you know, Justin Rose is one of those guys that again, I don't, I just think he's a pretty good course fit here. And I think we're getting him at a number that's certainly reasonable. I don't think a ton of people are going to be clicking his name. I think people will be like, yeah, Justin Rose is fine, but I just don't think he right now, I don't think he has the, the appeal to be like a super popular guy. So, I mean, in this 8k range, I'm trying to think of Min Woo Lee. I know people are going to mention his name. Um, Justin Thomas at 8,300, people are going to mention his name. People might want to play Aberg, Adam Scott, maybe Corey Connors at 8,000. That certainly makes sense. I don't think I'm going to be on any of those guys, Rick. I, I think it's going to be Sung Jay. It's going to be Rose. Maybe I take a chance at Tom Kim, although I'm just not really super enthusiastic about that. And then I move on. I think Min will be popular. I think Ludwig will be popular. Um, that might be kind of be the end of the story especially people are stocking up on on the 9k range we do have to talk about justin thomas so this is 8300 which is officially now so i've been tracking salaries for five years uh this is the cheapest he's ever been so we are we are i don't know if we're going lower but we have hit rock bottom on justin thomas in terms of pricing he's coming off a miscut in detroit had the t9 at the travelers he misses two cuts before that i would love to be early on Justin Thomas, and I'm going to try to be, but I do not believe this is the spot. Yeah, this would be one of those situations where if everybody decides to ignore him, which I can't imagine is the case because his price is so low, then I'd be willing to go in. I mean, th- there is like I, I can see paths to him succeeding here. I mean, first of all, it's staggering to look at what he did at Detroit Golf Club at the Rocket Mortgage and losing six strokes on over six strokes around the green. Like what was he using the putter? I, like I don't, I don't How even. How hard it is to lose six strokes around the green at Detroit Golf Club. It's it like, seems impossible. It, it, it's jarringly hard to do. <laughs> so, but the point, the I guess the larger point I'm making here is that, it like look at the approach play. Like yeah, there are a couple kind of bad spots there, but he's been kind of dialed in more often than not since March of this year. Uh, the off the tee game dialed in more often than not, although it's it's certainly sputtered. It's open, it's sputtered. But okay, that's fine. Uh, th- there's paths to him really succeeding here. So I do think 8,300 is, is a pretty good value. But the problem I'm having with it is, again, he's so low now. Even when he was 8,900 like a month ago, people were like, got to play Justin Thomas. So even though he's let most of those people down, at 8,300, people are going to be like, got to play Justin Thomas. There's too much upside there. I agree with them. But because that's going to be the sentiment, I just don't think I'm going to bother. I, I look, I just like some weeks he can't drive some weeks. He can't hit his iron. Some weeks he can't play around the green and every week he can't putt. And he's also pretty bad at links golf. I I'm, I hope I'm wrong. The game is better when Justin Thomas is involved and playing well. And I think it'll be really cool. And if we can get him rocking and rolling before the open championship, I think that'd be sick. I'm happy to like, I want to be, once I see some some sign of life, I'll happy I'll happily try to be early. I'm just not ready for it yet. I'll say this: Justin Thomas, he will make his comeback. He will make his splash back onto the scene, kind of Ricky Fowler esque. I, I don't know when it's going to be, but I honestly, Rick, I think you have, you've got an extra book laying around the, the the sports psychologist or whatever that that Wyndham Clark used. Can you just yeah. anonymously send that to him? Yeah, it's on my bookshelf back here somewhere. Yeah, uh, underneath, underneath the claret jug over there. Yeah, he needs something. He needs he needs a reset. I don't I don't know I don't know what he needs, but he needs something. This is a uh, Ludwig stat profile. So this mm-hmm. is uh, what he does with the driver is so sick. Yeah, it's so sick, and he so I'm 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 kind of worried he's just gonna win it. 
right? So he goes, you know, he plays two awesome rounds at Rocket Mortgage, two bad ones. Three awesome rounds at John Deere, one bad one. Now he's just going to play four awesome rounds and run away with this thing. Like, he's so, so good. I, I'm I'm obviously joking. I don't know how his game is going to... Like, Link, Link's golf, is, it is very different. Uh, I love the way that he drives it, and I'm so excited for the rest of his of the rest of the season. Yeah, he's one of those guys, you know, we have them every year where, you know, a new guy come a bunch of new guys pop up and there's just one or two that are just way more intriguing because of what we see as their potential upside than than the others and certainly Aberg is one of those guys. I'm very curious to see what he's going to do uh this week. I don't know that I'll end up playing him. I probably won't. Uh but he's certainly interesting and has tremendous upside. Sevens? You want to go back and forth on this? Let's do it. Um, Can I start? Please. Well, I'm I'm only going to start because I already said this guy's name. Um, It's Aaron Rye. Aaron Rye. Um, I just think, you know, when when it comes to upside, we talked about it with Aberg. And by the way, I'm not comparing the two. But, okay, first of all, he won here before. So he's comfortable here. You know, again, that was in 2020. Uh, He was ninth place in 2018. I love the spike potential for him because what we've seen over the last handful of tournaments with Aaron Rye is that, Usually it's like one part of the game. Like he's been good, but it's one part of the game that'll kind of let him down a little bit. Like we see, for example, uh, at the Rocket Mortgage off the tee, he wasn't great, but pretty much great everywhere else. Uh, at uh, tra- at the Travelers, wasn't great on approach, but pretty great everywhere else. And and we're seeing sort of that trend. Of course, T three at the RBC Canadian Open, you know, where he was pretty much great everywhere, other than the putter being somewhat flat. The spike potential across all these metrics. Like this is a classic case where I'm like, all right. Well, if he marries these things together and they happen during the same tournament, like he is going to maybe top five, top six this tournament, uh, even in this field. He's won it before. It wasn't as crowded as a field from a talent standpoint. But, man, I, I just I love how this is trending off the tee approach, the spike potential. And even with the putter where it looks to have rebounded, maybe he found something. I don't know what you think here, Rick, but you lose with the putter six in a row. And then all of a sudden yeah. you gain three in a row. It looks pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I, I think he's. um he's like a slate breaker, right? Because like you said, yeah. when he, when he plays well, he can act, if he can finish T3, he can finish T9 and he's never expensive enough to, to where, where he has to do something like that. So, okay. Very good one out of the gate. How about Alex Smalley who led the field in approach and ball striking last week, which should not be that surprising because he put up almost the same exact numbers the week before in Detroit and almost the same exact numbers to the start before that in Connecticut. I, I mean, he is, back to thriving uh, from tee to green. This will be a little bit different. It's going to be a tough field. It's going to be a different style of golf. He played this event last year. He finished T10. Awesome. Gained eight and a half strokes ball striking. Very underrated flusher, Alex Smalley. Yeah, it's interesting because he's right next to Connors at, at 8,000, who was also a flusher, uh, obviously, as well. I think I think we're going to see some ownership collect a little bit on Connors, but a lot on Alex Smalley. And it makes sense. I mean, everything you said about and I played him a lot last week, by the way. Everything you said about Alex Smalley is is obviously accurate because we're looking at your website to back it up. But I mean, he definitely has tremendous upside at that number. I'm going to go with a guy that doesn't have tremendous upside, in my opinion. But speaking of trends, like something that I'm just like, noticing from him and you know again he's a shorter hitter but he's going to keep it in the fairway the approach has been dialed in in particular brian Harmon mm. at 7600 he's not a guy genuine generally like playing but the approach and the put- the putter have been really really good over the last few tournaments and i just think he's going to be one of those guys that like it's almost like a poor man's shane lowry where he's just going to plot along get it in the be a good ball striker and hopefully stay hot with the putter um i think 7600 i don't think a ton of ownership is going to collect there um, but I think 7,600 is a pretty good price. Yeah, runner up in T9 in his last two starts, thanks to that approach play and putting. Okay. Alexander Bjork, who has played, I think, his last 18 events on the DP World Tour. His last three are all top nine finishes T8, T9, T6. His last six include two more fourth place finishes. He has, oh, what is that? Eight. Top 16 finishes in his last nine. Absolute flusher. Good putter. He can't drive it all that well. As long as he keeps it in play, I think he'll be fine. This is about as good as it gets. I actually think I looked it up. Last um, last 50 rounds, only using European Tour data, uh, he's the best player in the field. 
now that obviously like excludes Scotty Scheffler because Scotty Scheffler doesn't have 50 rounds of of deep world tour data. But you get you get what I'm saying. These guys that yeah. reside reside on this tour. Another guy uh, from that tour that I think is going to collect some ownership uh, along with uh, along with Bjork is Ryan Fox. Great off the tee, which I which I think is certainly going to help here. But what's really intriguing about Fox, other than just the general sentiment that he's a pretty good golfer and generally underrated. The great finishes at loaded events, whether you want to call them majors or designated events, whichever, API, he's 14th. At the Players, he's 27th. At the Masters, he's 26th. At the PGA Championship, he's 23rd. The Memorial, 30th. The U.S. Open, 43rd. This is Ryan Fox. Like, those are finishes from a, like, legit, you know, top 30 PGA Tour guy, in my opinion. And I'm, you know, again, none of those are are top 10 finishes, but it's 7,500. The upside that I'm seeing from Ryan Fox, especially at this course, uh, it, it looks pretty good to me. Okay. How about not Jordan Spieth, Jordan Smith? Talk about uh, good finishes at big events. Finished T20 at the U.S. Open. He's made four cuts in a row, a T6 at the European Open, uh, made the cut at the British Masters and the Made in Hammerland. He is like a he's like a team no putt guy. He's like our DP World Tour team no putt guy, right? His ball strikings plus three and a half, plus six, plus eight, plus 14, plus 10 at the Italian Open a couple of starts ago. Uh, we just need to find a putter. Would you say because I mean, these are slower greens, right? Slower fescue greens. Would you say that this is maybe a tournament for team no putt? So I think there's a couple ways to look at it. When I was looking at the numbers, I think that there is a lower rate of made putts here from like five feet and 10 feet than normal, which I think this kind of goes both uh, like the arguments both ways, right? It's like, oh, well, if it's going to be harder to make an eight foot putt, you want the best putters. I tend to lean towards. Well, if, ever, if it's going to be hard to putt on it from eight feet, that's good for the bad putters because they always have trouble putting from eight feet. Right. That's I mean, I don't know what the it's a chicken or the egg situation. Yeah. But I it's, tend to lean towards the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you picked a side of that I know. Uh, metaphor. I know. That's I was, amazing. I wasn't going, um, but I did. <laughs> Okay, so I'm on the side of the chicken as well. I'm going to give you one last one, and it's one I'm very uneasy about, but the, that makes sense because he's 7,000. It's Patrick Rogers at seven, like, again, 7,000. This is more of like a, a gut play than anything. The, the metrics don't look great overall. We're looking at them right now. But again, when I look at what he's done at some of these loaded events lately, it looks really good. U.S. Open, PGA Championship, Memorial, he was 32nd or better in all three of those. And it's just one of those guys at 7,000. I think the talent is there. We're just not really seeing it with any sort of consistency whatsoever. But he seems to show up in, in events like this. Granted, it's not the Open Championship, but this is still a loaded event. And I think Patrick Rogers has some upside at 7,000. Trying to think if there's anybody else worth um... – Worth really, I mean, listen, just quickly, Thorbjorn Olsen's been good, but not as good recently. But like, starts six through 10 ago were very good. Yannick Paul is risky, but has high upside. I think those are the guys that I, yeah, to talk about. I think Eric Cole is interesting, although I got to I got to think at some point the fatigue factor might be setting in. Maybe it set in over the weekend, frankly, uh, last time out because the 42nd finish, 42nd place finish wasn't super electrifying. Road is there. I don't think I'm willing to play him here. Dietrich, the guy you mentioned at 7,500. I'm never a Dietrich guy, but I mean, I, I, I get why some people might want to play him. So those are guys that are at least kind of on the tip of my tongue to consider Nikolai Hoygaard at 7,300, I think is interesting. Yeah. Don't confuse the, the Hoygaard brothers they are both in the field. Uh, yeah. Rasmus just won last week. Nikolai is also in the field as well. The, the best, the Dietra, unfortunately hasn't been playing well. The best, the best thing going for him is his history around this place is, is great. T10 runner up 30th and, and 43rd, but um, hasn't been playing well. So you've got to, you've got to weigh that a little bit. The 6k range. All right. Even deeper now. Um, I've got one, two. I've got maybe three. Yeah. Mine are all maybes too. By the way, can I ask you something? Uh, Garrick Higo at mm-hmm. 7,000. Is that somebody you would consider? Drives the heck out of it, man. He hits the cover off the ball. Um, Seems to be playing a little bit better. That's the only reason I, I, I bring him up. I mean, that look, approach play is look, terrific. Yeah, look at how good. I mean, I will say this. He's always driving it awesome. Um, the putter is much better now. 
I mean, mm-hmm. he was hemorrhaging on 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 the greens, and he is no longer doing that. It's generally better, but this is really tough to look at. The, yeah, the losing one to six strokes on approach every start. I mean, I think last week was almost like a ceiling. I mean, he was in the mix for mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. That was almost a, a ceiling week, and he finished T21 at the John Deere, which <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. scares me, right? We're going to get a better field here. If he does the same exact thing, he puts up the same stat profile, he's finishing worse than 21st. Um, but like we got a we got one of his best driving weeks. We got honestly one of his best approach weeks, losing a stroke. We got a, a one of his better around the green weeks, and we got one of his better putting weeks, and it still was only T21. Yeah, I hear you on that. And uh, I see Mark Green, Kurt Kitayama. I think he's interesting as well. Um, but the 6K range, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give out four names that I have. C.T. Pan, you know, I don't know where his game is at, but I know I've seen enough flashes from him to be like, all right, just from a pure upside perspective, you know, this could obviously, it's a boomer bust type of play. But I think I've seen enough from him. Obviously, the Travelers didn't go very well, but I've seen enough from him to think, all right, this guy definitely has some upside here. I think Joseph Bramlett at 6,700, he hasn't been very good, but the Joseph Bramlett that we know and love, I think at 6,700, he becomes kind of a value if he can recapture the ball striking that we're accustomed to seeing from him. Dylan Wu at 6,700, just, you know, constantly disrespected. I, I, I wouldn't be super psyched about putting him in a lineup, but I do think there's value there at 6,700. And I believe at the John Deere, did he miss the cut on the number? I believe yes. he did. Yes, he did. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, it, it's not a horrific missed cut. That was kind of, you know, these birdie fests, they can be, they tend to be kind of random. He misses cuts. Don't get me wrong. But at 6,700, I think he has some upside. The last guy at 6,400, uh, it's Aaron Baddeley. Uh, plenty of solid finishes, including last week where he shot a 65 in round four of the, the John Deere Classic. And I just think he's making way more cuts than people think. Uh, and again, it's just one of those things where at 6,400, I'd be willing to take a chance there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got three and I'm probably going to butcher all their names. Daniel, I'm assuming this is like Hillier, not Hillier, something like that. But this dude, I don't know if he found something. I don't know if he's hot. I don't even have a headshot for him. <laughs> but he won the British Masters two weeks ago, finished T3 the week before that, the BMW International Open, missed the cut at the European Open, and finished T5 at the KLF. So that's three top fives, including a win in his last four starts. The rest of his stat profile, not really all that good. Nothing, nothing bad, just like very medium. I don't know what he's doing right now, but it's very, very solid. Uh, that's one. I love that. Two, an even harder name to pronounce. I believe it's Roman... Langesque, a Frenchman who absolutely shreds the ball off the tee. Just big, big distance guy. I described him as a, uh, uh, like a weaker Cam Young. So Cam Young drives it well, but he has the short game to go with it, which is rare. Mm-hmm. So does Langesque. But he, Cam Young is way better on approach. That's... That's the difference. Yeah. This looks like the Garrick Higo profile that we just saw. It's, it's better than, than Higo's, but I mean, he's a monster off the tee. He can't seem to muster up anything on approach. And, and, his, um, finishes are, and his finishes are way better. Yeah, way better. Way, way better. Yeah. I think he might have history around this place. Uh, third here in 2019, missed the cut in 2020, 44th in 2021. And then Matthew Pavon, Frenchman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked his profile as well. It was okay. So this is weird where he has a good week, bad week, good week, bad week, good week, bad week, almost across the board, but it's not without decent results. Top 20 at the European open T7 at the international open and T17 last week, the maiden Himmerland. He is much more reliant on the putter, uh, but he can hit it. Okay. Those are the three that I'm probably most excited about. Uh, he's got good history here too, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so he's so he missed the cut in 2019, 55th, T12, T36. And then at a different course, he finished third in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, T36, T12, 55th. I mean, that's three made cuts in a row plus a T12. That's, that's strong. Better than a lot of these guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's David Law's profile. Missed the cut last week, but had three top 15s in a row before that. I mean, there's like a lot of these, 
little guy, you know, these guys that no one's ever heard of that if you can, they might be playing well for two or three weeks in a row that if they can go out there and give you a T16, you're kind of in business. There's like a lot of those guys. Now it's, it's kind of what I think ends up happening here. Sia is a lot of people look at this and say, okay, well, I know who Sam Ryder is at yeah. 600, right? So I'm going to play Sam Ryder over Mar- Marcel Seam, or mm-hmm. I'm going to play um, Luke List, God forbid, over Grant Forrest or something like that. So I, I think that just the nature of these guys being mostly unknown is more valuable this week. Uh, totally agree. And I, and I think what people will tend to do, whether they realize it or not, they, like I, I think because we're on the other side here, or we're across the pond, I think they people think, OK, I want to include some of those guys in there. I don't want to just make it a, a classic like PGA DFS lineup, PGA Tour DFS lineup. I think where you might see some of the ownership is going to be in that 7K range with guys we already brought up, like Bjork, for example, yeah. uh, Ryan Fox. But in the 6K range, I think people are going to be kind of out on that. I think That's you're exactly right. They're going to end up going with the common name. <laughs> yeah, at least some of these guys are like, oh, I've heard of Adrian Moronk. I've heard of Alexander mm-hmm. or, or like whatever, right? Like the, a, a little bit better quality of name as opposed to just like really taking a flyer in that 6k range yeah rasmus hoygaard another one where people are going to be like yeah that's the euro that's the euro guy that i'm going to play i know that guy yeah okay uh i'm terrified of this strokes gain narrative because i know it's going to be international i know there's going to be things that are references i don't get i know there's going to be things that are hard to pronounce i know it yeah, it, it, this one's this one's tough. Honestly, I, I did you a favor. It's not going to seem like it because there's five of these that we can pull up. But there was at least, I would say, 12 to 15 submitted like this thing. It, there were even submissions built off of submissions, which I think is a first. It was actually really impressive. So some of you didn't make it because this show would be way too long and maybe boring if we read off like seven or eight of these. But there's five and they're, they're from uh, some usual suspects. Most of them, at least. They're all on Twitter. Uh, so you can do, you know, at strokes or hashtag strokes gain SG narrative and read these. All right. Rebecca says, while you're in Scotland, here are some fun. I'm sorry. I made up that word. Here are some native animals to look out for. The Victor West Hovland white terrier. Sure. The, the belted Harry Holloway cow. The Eric border Coley. <laughs> I like that one. The Scottish Cross Billy Horschel, the Will Gordon Setter, and the Taylor Dandy Din Montgomery Terrier. Oh, actually, Scotland. A lot of terriers come from Scotland, right? Uh, it seems it seems that way. I think you're right about that. They love their little their little dogs. Their little proper dogs that prance around, which I like too. <laughs> Victor Hovland. That's the best name. Uh, says we all know the Scots love a good drink or a pint. So this is his strokes gained booze lineup. Christian beer Zadenhow. Nice. Haven't heard that one before. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pori McElroy. These are original. These are great. Barley Horschel. Eric cold one. Perfect. <laughs> Chaser Hannah and Thurston Lawrence. Thirst, thirst, thirst is mm-hmm. the key one there. Wow, pretty good. Those are all excellent. Sometimes we don't, get the alcohol-related ones. See, those are all original. Yeah, these are all very original. Uh, don't forget to drop the uh, hashtag SG narrative of uh, Rebecca and Thick Door. Thick Door. Ryan, Fantasy Bunker, says the official national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. Is that true? I, I, it must be true. That's really random. It's not even real. It's not real. Not a thing. Here are a few other mythical creatures. The Byung Hyun Leprechaun. <laughs> Love that. Paw Dragon Harrington. Fairy Hall. That's Harry. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Austin Sheckrote. Sure. Kevin. Count Dracula. Who's that? Kevin Yu? Yep. And C. Yeti Pan. That's why he's my guy. Fantasy. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. His 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 entries are my exact like IQ level and entertainment <laughs> level. 
you see model maniac down there he says seeing this lineup and knowing it won't be beat today it's very um, good yeah it's good austin Sheckrote is sick all right yeah at pga tout john hello oh he's going for a couple of renaissance painters uh so here we go michelangelo kim boom perfect rafael cabrera bayo easy luke donald tello adam scotticelli leonardo da victor and el greco does he have all the donatello Raphael, michelangelo teenage mutant ninja turtles leonardo he has them all in there yeah very well done very well done john markowski See, John's John's too smart. <laughs> That's my problem with John. He's too smart. Scotland gives us haggis. Is that what? Is that what? I that think is? that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. He says no thanks. Here are some other gross foods. Yannick scrap Paul. I don't get it. I've I, scrap meat. I, I I'm not really sure. I I, I just he's too smart. <laughs> Okay, Sung J Turducken. Is that like a turducken? Yeah. Which would be a turkey inside a, a chicken inside a turkey inside a. Are you doing the John Madden thing? That's what it is, though. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I know, but like, yeah, you were about to like break out the uh, the board and draw some ground. Uh, it is a chicken inside a duck inside a turkey. It's just weird. Jordan Spieth dish pizza. John, I thought you were doing gross foods. You're not. Deep dish pizza is gross. Like the Chicago style pizza, it's like soup. Like that is actually like legitimately objectively gross. But thick pizza is not gross. It's But the Chicago style stuff, that's got to go. You like that? That's yes. a thing you like? Yes. What do you mean it's like soup? It's actual soup. It's just like, it's like a stew. It's like so thick and there's like too much tomato. So there's too much going on. Give me my cheese and my bread and, and a topping or two, and we'll call it a day. Don't tell me you're a pineapple on pizza guy, too. You're not that person. I don't really care. No, that's not – I would prefer – I would eat it, but not really. I'm, I don't – I've never – I've never seeked it out. We're still friends. Yeah. CT, CT spam. Oh, spam is so uh, – that's just, like, <laughs> disgusting. Eric Coleslaw. John's not a coleslaw guy. It's, it's an anti-mayo take. Uh, I noticed that on Twitter. Um, Eric K uh, signed on to that one. He's a, he's very anti-mayo as well. You know, I used to be very anti-mayo. I've come around. Mayo? I've come the opposite way. Yeah. Like when I actually, th- I, I don't mind mayo, but when I think about it, I'm like, that's, it's kind of gross. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just, I'm just getting old. Ludwig, a burger. Well done. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. No well done burgers around here. There you go. Thank you, John. Appreciate your submissions. Thank you, everyone. Ooh. They're key ever. Uh, God, what are we going to get next week? Next week is going to be just maybe. Maybe oh. Nick Hardy will be back. What does what the Nick Hardy cameo cost? That's a great question. It what can't is, cost much, right? But but at the same time, I, I agree. It cannot cost much. But at the same time, if you're Nick Hardy, I don't know how much money he's made this year. I don't know how much money he. 25 bucks like is that worth your do you think it's that much i have no idea yeah but you understand what i'm saying like if you make a million dollars a year wouldn't you just do like five hundred dollars and then if somebody wants to do it you're like okay that's fine i think maybe it might be like a public relations thing like one of his like maybe his like manager or agent or something is like hey this will be good for you it'll be from a like from a visibility standpoint i don't know the other argument though is that he's probably sitting around doing nothing a lot traveling and like he could knock out so many of these with zero effort that maybe it's worth 50 or 100 bucks I guess the question becomes, what's the demand for Nick Hardy? And I don't mean that as I'm not trying to be like a jerk about it, but like, it, just, like from all the PGA Tour golfers, like he's certainly not going to be like first on the list. I, I, I mean, I bet on him last week. I think he's great, but like, I, how many of those is he getting on a on a monthly basis? I need to know. I need to know the financials of Cameo. <laughs> all of them, every single person on Cameo. Uh, you're not on Cameo. No, no one wants that. 
I can. I'm on Cameo. You. I can assure you, no one wants that. I'm not on Cameo. I'm just joking. I, I didn't. I just. I. I love. I love the idea of it. Like, I think it is a brilliant idea to be able to get Floyd Money Mayweather to wish you a happy birthday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a good idea for everybody. He gets to do, you know, a minute of whatever, and it works out. But I do. I do want to know the Nick Hardy economics of Cameo. Yeah. Well, John, I I, I know uh, the marksman will be able to clarify that for us. No more question. All right. Well, we will be back uh, for a DFS show. Probably same time for next week. The pricing will come out early, but I assume with scheduling, it's probably going to be the same time next Monday. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Mega preview pod Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, round by round recaps. That will be a couple hours earlier than normal. So keep an eye out for that. Those will be created on the Golf on CBS YouTube channel. For now, big thank you to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. CN Ajad available on Twitter at CN Ajad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 